0: the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusip And I'm Tobias. Join us
1: for a journey in the cloud. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. This episode is sponsored by ScriptRunner. ScriptRunner is a great solution to centrally manage PowerShell scripts and standardize and automate IT tasks via a graphical user interface for helpdesk or end users. Check that out on scriptrunner.com. My name is Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Toby. So what
0: I've been doing lately, I've spent a lot of time thinking about having a physical office. So, so we have a couple of companies and uh, mostly everyone in, in those few companies, they work from home obviously, for the past couple of years. And, and I've been thinking it would make sense to get an office space to sort of combine all of the people from, from the few companies together and, and perhaps get some sort of benefits by people spending time together. So I had a quick poll last week asking people, how often would you be able to work from the office if we had a, a like, like, like this centralized office, perhaps in the heart of Helsinki? Not enforcing people to say, yeah, you have to be at the office three days a week or, or whatnot, but, but more about wondering if we had the opportunity to work together instead of doing everything remotely, how would you utilize the office space? Partially for cost, but also for, for logistics and, and what sort of space would we need? Would we need meeting rooms and those small phone booths to have the endless Teams meetings and whatnot? And about half of the people I queried said they will never work from the office. They've built their man caves and, 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 and everything else. They are not needing the office anymore, and they don't have the time to travel to commute to the office. A few said up to one day a week, perhaps two days on the best weeks. Uh, but at the same time, I also hear that everybody sort of missed the human connection and being able to work together at the office, but they don't have the time to go to the office anymore. And and what we tried then is I scheduled an on-site day. So let's all get together. I'm renting a space, like from a co-working space. Let's just do whatever we do on a a normal day, but sort of work together in the same space. And quite a bit of of my colleagues showed up and said, hey, you see, I have a gazillion Teams calls. So I will see you at lunch. Where's the meeting room? (laughs) And Then they disappear for three hours, come back for lunch, which is great. And... This is an interesting dilemma, and I feel this cannot be resolved with just the physical space alone, because you would have to make the commitment and the time and everything else. So I will continue thinking about this, but just saying this out loud, I sort of realized that, that the office space is not that relevant, but getting people together, that's perhaps key here. But Toby, I know you work from home, but you guys also have an office, I, I, I think in, in, in Munich. Do, do you ever go you, there?
1: We do have an office in Munich, and we used to go there perhaps a little bit more in the past before the entire pandemic and, and all of that happened. Uh, but again, I'm in Sweden, the office is in Germany, so it does require jumping on a flight or spending 15 hours in the car, um, which perhaps is not optimal. So we did that maybe once or twice a year. And uh, hopefully, you know, when things open up, uh, the, the office will be kind of open to anyone who wants to go there. But I've been working remotely for, I think, eight years, give or take. And um, yeah, I, I have the same feeling what you describe here. I would love to meet uh, the people. I would love to meet my colleagues. I would love to meet people in general, because working from home for this extended period of time, like eight years is a long time working from home, you really need to find ways to interact with people. So I, I did that. Uh, I have some local companies where close to where I live, where I can go and visit their offices, I sit there, I can have a coffee with them, talk with them. I don't work with them. We don't do the same thing at all. But it's the human interaction and, you know, talking about the last soccer game or talking about something when you're at the water cooler or filling your coffee cup or whatever. This kind of social interaction goes away when you work fully remote. But we also introduced many years ago now something called a coffee call, virtual coffee call. So we, you know, once every now and then, a couple of times a week, we have a virtual coffee call, we get together and we don't talk or work. We just rant about anything else uh, with our colleagues. And that's also pretty beneficial. But nothing can replace the you know, on-site interaction with other people, uh, whether those are your colleagues or just people in general. So you can kind of offload what you're currently working on because you can end up in this kind of trap when you work from home where you just focus work 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 and you don't take the time to relax you don't take the time to go to the coffee coffee maker and then spend time talking with someone or you don't spend the time going to an actual lunch uh, downtown or you know you more seldom do those things so i understand your dilemma here and i'm looking forward to hear where you end up in that because i i do believe that's an important aspect and especially for for everyone in in the team to have the ability to go and meet up somewhere, whether that's a fixed place or a co-working space or whatever. I think the opportunity to be able to have the choice is what is interesting to me anyway. So on my side, garden automation. So I set this up now again for this year. So I have solar powered pumps that drip water into all my pots every 12 hours, every day. So twice a day for about 20 minutes, it will keep dripping water. So I only have to go and refill a a big container of water uh, maybe uh, twice a week. And then the system takes care of watering all my plants. And I have tomatoes, I have cucumbers, I have mini cucumbers, I have peppers, bell peppers, basil, all kinds of stuff. And this is just automatically taken care of. Every now and then, like every four weeks, I have to replant them to bigger pots so they can really grow. And I really like this. And and this kind of drip system or, or this... Um, you know, solar-powered par- uh, automation is sufficient to keep all the plants alive, even when I'm not at home for extended periods of time. So when you simply want to grow your veggies without tending too much to them, then this is great. Um, two years ago, I set a new record for my basil plants at 189 centimeters, which is about 75 inches from the ground. So a little bit taller than myself. And I still have a lot of liters of frozen leaves that I use for making pesto and some nice Italian pasta dishes. Next year, this year, I don't really have the, the room in the greenhouse, but next year, I aim to grow at least a 280 centimeter basil, which is essentially the full height of the entire greenhouse. And I want to set a new record because I, I have a track record of really growing and bringing up the best basil in town. They are huge. And I will try to connect all of this to my Raspberry Pi and the Grove Pi units that I and devices that I use for... Measuring the moist, the soil, the temperature, start the fan, open the hatches, take a photo every day so you can kind of get this um, time loop or photo loop so you can, um, you know, after the summer, you can then review because I plant everything from a seed. It's really fun to see when, when the seed uh, pops out and then the small plant comes up and then at the end, you have a, almost three meter tall basil. It's pretty fun to see um, to get this recorded. So obviously this will then end up in Azure and I can crunch the data and follow the life of my plants from wherever I am. So a kind of mini IoT farming perhaps. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: This sounds interesting. And I, I think I've mentioned this before, but eventually when I get to move to the new house, I will build something like this. Perhaps pick your brains on that one. As well, the, the problem, of course, is the four-year-old uh, who's so enthusiastic about watering the plants that they are literally swimming every day. (laughs) But let's see how that goes. So today, this is episode 132, Microsoft Partner Program Updates. And um, I I think this is relevant to a lot of Microsoft partners, not just to those who focus perhaps on Azure or Microsoft 365. And we thought that, that let's sort of dissect what the changes are, and, and how we are approaching this this new major update, uh, which was initially announced in mid-March 2022. But before we sort of dive deep into what changed and what's new and what's relevant and what's not, um, and Toby, I, I, I think, or do I recall correctly, that you are sometimes also involved with these Microsoft partner requirements and competencies and everything else.
1: Yeah. So, so this is on my table right now, and we did our renewal this year in February. So, kind of before all of these new changes were were announced. Um, so, uh, that was convenient in a way that we could kind of live off of the existing uh, competences that we already had. Um, so, I'm I'm definitely heavily involved in that. It's not always easy. You need to have the right certificates, uh, certifications for your employees. You need to have a certain amount of consumption and all these these things. And I think everyone who is a Microsoft partner knows about these things. And to achieve the gold competency in whatever area that you want, then that comes with a, a few requirements and prerequisites. And yeah, every year we have the same kind of couple of months ramping up to the actual renewal to ensure that we're we're good. Not always easy, but yeah, we we definitely do that and struggle with it every now and then. So I I'm also happy about these new changes. Uh, and I, I think you have gone through a lot of these. So I think you will share a lot of these updates because you, you understand them better than me. Because now when we renewed just recently a few weeks back, it was based on the old model because we were in February and this came now in March. So next time the renewal comes up for the company, then uh, we'll be on the new uh, on the new PAPA system. So uh, I'm looking forward to understanding what that means. And uh, I have no idea. I, I, because we didn't have this as a requirement, I didn't take a look at it. But I do understand there's some pretty significant changes. And how you achieve your gold or silver competencies kind of changed. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly how it goes. And, and since you renewed already, you are good for a fairly lengthy period of time. You don't have to do anything. But perhaps it's, it's wise to start uh, preparing even today for the future, because now that the changes have been announced, everybody knows that they need to do something eventually be it this year or next year. But let's talk about the dates uh, a little bit later. So, so previously, as you said, uh, we've had the silver and gold partner competencies, So a company might have the Microsoft Gold Cloud Platform competency if if the company is focused on Azure. And obviously, you can have multiple competencies. And each one has slightly different requirements, slightly different uh, certifications that people need to pass and so on. And, And the benefit often for Microsoft partner companies has been that you get perhaps internal use rights, licenses, possibly Azure credits, sales support, leads, and all sorts of things that might help you build your business around Microsoft solutions and offerings. So, so this is the model that's been around for years, and, and I can't recall for how long, but, but for years. And with the, with the new major updates, this is no longer the future. So the old model is, is, is here as of today. But later in 2022, you have the option to go to the future with the new model, or you have an option to opt out for one year and and then eventually be enforced to go with the new model. So you can choose if you want to go uh, with the forerunners or if you want to ensure everything is in place and, and perhaps wait for an additional year before going to the new model. And I, I spent a couple of evenings reading everything there is to this from the official Microsoft sources. And as, as, as you know, if, if if something is being announced, there's often like a gazillion pages of content somebody has been working on, and you really have to go through all of that to sort of get the big picture. And, and the, the, the main thing here is that the competencies are no more. Now what we have is something called... The solutions partner designation i'm not sure who came up with the name but i i <laughs> bet he or she was a consultant because this is a this is a consultancy terms so if you forget the silver and gold partner competencies what you now need to drive for is a solutions partner designation and there's a total of six plus one special one um Chobi, did you have a chance to look at the different solutions partner designations before we started recording this?
1: I did take a look at some of the Azure ones. So solutions partner for infrastructure, data and AI, and stuff like that, but not in detail. I did take a look at the one for security because that is, of course, something that is close to my heart and something I work a lot with. Other than that, I don't know which six plus one uh, exist in the solutions partner designation kind of uh, bucket. So um, I do know that there are some for Azure, some for Microsoft 365, some for I think Dynamics 365. And you know, depending on what you work with with your business, then you might target something something different. Which I I think kind of resembles what we do with silver and gold competencies, where you want to achieve gold in collaboration or gold in Security or gold in web dev or whatever it is, and here it's the the kind of same thing where you want to be a solutions partner for security or for modern work or whatever. But I don't know much about them. I haven't taken a, a good look at them. So, do you have a list of, of what these like six or, or seven solutions partner designations are? Yeah, I, I
0: think what I'll do is I'll the list in the show notes because for each of the designation you have a list of requirements and and additional. Insights and tips, and and what you should strive for, and what products are involved for which designation. But the six ones are the one you mentioned Solutions Partner for Infrastructure, Azure. Then there's one for Data and AI, Azure. Uh, The third one, Digital and App Innovation, Azure. Again, so the first three are just Azure. The fourth one, Modern Work, Microsoft 365. The fifth one is Security both M365 and Azure. And the last one is business applications, Dynamics 365. And I mentioned there's, there's an extra one, which is called the Solutions Partner for Microsoft Cloud. You can get this if you achieve to get all the six prior, and then you can say, well, we worked through the whole Microsoft Cloud. So there's nothing for GitHub or LinkedIn or, or anything sort of outside Microsoft 365 Azure and Dynamics 365. Um, and these map roughly to the old competencies, not, not one-to-one mapping, but roughly. As an example, if you had the cloud platform gold competency, then the new version is solutions partner for infrastructure Azure, which is more or less the same. Um, one thing that, that you really need to use now is you need to log in to the partner center at partner.microsoft.com. And from there you have a new dashboard. So you click on any of the seven solutions partner designations and it, it, it will give you a fairly clean and clear dashboard showing you what's the status on any of the designations. How many points are you still missing out before achieving one or more of these? So, the points is crucial here. You need 70 points, seven zero points per designation. So, if you want to get two designations, you need 70 points for each. The maximum is 100 points per designation. Why would you need more? There's something called the advanced certification. So, you can also strive to, to differentiate a bit by going for the more advanced stuff as, as well. But for now, I would say, just pick one of the designations and aim to achieve all the requirements for that one.
1: And, and was, uh, um, yeah. So for, for these different points, as I understand it, I took a quick look here. Um, as I understand it, there are like different categories, right? Um, so it's divided through performance, skilling, and customer success. So this is also something new, that in the past you had to take f- – Four individuals had to take four certifications or whatever, and you had to have maybe a specific amount of um, consumption in Azure, something like that, uh, in order to achieve one of the gold competencies or silver competencies. So now with the points, if I'm looking at this and I'm looking at one of the dashboards, it's like you say, they're super clean. It tells me here uh, you have three out of 20 points or you have uh, 10 out of 10 points for some of them. It's pretty great, uh, but what are these things like performance, skilling, and customer success? What, what does this actually entail um, like compared to what we have in the old model?
0: So let's go through these in order. So the first one is performance, and usually this means net customer ads, meaning net new customer ads that you've added to telemetry as proof that you're working with those said customers in the past 12 months. So this is not a fiscal year, it's the past rolling 12 months. And for example, for for one of the designations, the requirement is uh, net new three new customers. And if you do not meet that, then regardless of how many points you get for, for all the other areas, it will not go through. So for performance, you need 30 points out of 70. Then you have skilling, which obviously is certifications. And for that, you get 20 points. So if you, if you meet this requirement as well, you are at 50 points now, but you still need 20 more. And the last one is customer success. And I, I, I think Microsoft has been a bit devious on this one. They, they tell it's customer success, but in reality, it means how many deployments and how much usage is the customer performing in Azure or Microsoft 365 or Dynamics 365. So this is, again, proof that the customer is actually utilizing the services that you claim to prove through performance that I have these five customers, I am serving them, but through customer success, we can see, well, they've deployed Azure Firewall and the usage of that said service is growing X percentage. And there's a fairly strict uh, measurement here, Uh, as an example, for the security solutions partner designation. For security, uh, the customer needs to uh, consume Azure resources for security related services by $12,000 a year. So that's roughly. $1,000 $1,000 a month for security with edit services. So it's not simply enough if the customer is running an Azure VM, the customer actually needs to go for Defender for Cloud or Azure Firewall or something else. So combining performance, 30 points, skilling, 20 points, and customer success, 10 points, and possibly the usage growth as part of customer success, that gets you to 70 points.
1: Okay, so I, I really like this in a way. I mean, it, it sounds like this is now a lot tougher to achieve in a way. But at the same time, it's, it's taking the game out of the partnership in a way because I, I know that some companies in the past that I spoke with, they, they kind of knew how to play the game to become a, a partner um, you know because you could work around a lot of these things. You could become a, a gold partner fairly easily. Uh, while other companies maybe fought for that for several years, another company could do that pretty quickly. So I know that there's you know there were at least ways to achieve it with fairly low effort. What I really like about this it's the combination of the performance ergo add new customers, uh, the skilling, which means that your staff needs to be certified just like before and uh, with whatever certifications the, the requirements are, and then the customer success saying, well, you need to prove that you have deployed X amount of things within customer tenants, and also that this needs to grow with X percent or points per per year and things like that. So it's not just saying, okay, we have the certifications, we do have some consumption in Azure, but also the consumption comes from here. We have a proof of deployments. We have our skilling of our team that we get these new certificates, and we also do get new customers, not just the same one recurring customer year by year, which is maybe providing you with 100,000 consumption, but you actually have new customers coming in. So I really like that. But at the same time, it's like when you look at it, it's like, whoo, this is going to be tough when you take a look at it immediately and think, wow, we don't actually add three new customers per year. Maybe we have one or two enterprise customers that we work almost exclusively with. And all the small customers, maybe we cannot link our tenant to their tenant, or maybe we cannot track that for whatever reason. So then, of course, it can be a bit more challenging, but I like this update because if you do achieve this, perhaps it holds a bit more credibility as well. When you can say, I'm a, how do you call it now, Um, the solution partner for security, then that means you have actually achieved several things that are a bit tougher to get now than, than previously. At least that's my takeaway from it.
0: It's a good insight. And, and previously with the current model, which is still, still valid, uh, for that model, I, I feel the requirements were lower, but perhaps a, a bit more fair globally in the sense. But let's, let's perhaps focus first on the performance with the net customer ads. As you said, you might have two enterprise customers, you work happily with them, they're super happy to work with you, but they are not net new. So once 12 months is gone, your dashboard will tell you, you are at zero. You need to get three more. And that might not always be optimal, especially for smaller companies, because the game or the business is, is not just reaching for new customers. It, it's more about serving any type of customer, be it an existing one or a new one. So so that's one that I'm already seeing as a challenge, especially for my own companies. We have a couple of small companies and we often serve a customer for five, 10 years on a a monthly basis. So it's not about hunting for a new customer. It's more about serving and, and satisfying the existing customers and keeping them happy because we feel that's also more beneficial for the customer to continue working with the same partner. Uh, the other one is skilling. And, and I, I do have to admit that the certification requirements, they are fairly tough. And I am saying this with, with, with my experience of, of, of having done about 75 Microsoft certifications. And, and even I was looking at this and going, okay, so I really need to work on this. Uh, one example, this is from the security. Uh, designation. In order to get 40 points, so for security, it's not enough to get get 20 points. You actually need to get 40 points. You need to have six individuals. So already companies with less than six people cannot get this. You need to have six individuals and all six individuals have to have completed the MS-500 and the AZ-500. So Azure Security Engineer Associate and the M365 Security Admin Associate. So those are doable, but now we are at 12 certification exams so far. And then they have to complete at least one of the following, SC200, SC300, SC400. So each of the six have to complete at least one. So we are at what, 16 certifications. And for each past certification, the individual gets 6.6 points up to a maximum of 40 points divided by six people. So allocating six people to, for all of them to complete three fairly demanding certifications, it, it's time consuming. And it might not always be optimal in the sense, well, for now it's optimal because all of these are security related. But for something else, I think I was looking at the cloud infrastructure Some of the requirements were Azure Stack Hub Operator Associate Certification. And it might be that you never work with hybrid. You don't care about that. So Azure Stack does not play a role in that. So so in that sense, I feel this is a bit more skewed for larger enterprises and large ISVs. And I I feel there should be like a a mid-size option or small business option for companies with 20 people or 10 people or 50 people because this sort of investment in time and skills it's it's a massive thing
1: yeah so you mentioned previously um about the dates like what is the timeline for this because you also said well you can skip a year but then by next year you, you will be forced to enter this like if if we just take a look at the overall timeline what does it look like because this was announced I think March 2022, so in March this year, just after we renewed in the legacy mode or the the old model. So what does the timeline ahead now looks like? So we kind of know to plan ahead and, and when do we need to start looking into these things?
0: Good question. So the timeline begins with March 16, 2022. That was when the new program updates were communicated and announced. You don't need to do anything. September 20, 2022. You can choose to renew the existing legacy competencies. So the silver, silver and gold competencies. I'm calling them legacy because by, by September, they are legacy. That's the last day to renew. So Toby, you mentioned that you renewed in February, but somebody listening on this might go, well, we need to renew by July or August 2022. That's fine. Then you commit of buying an additional year of not doing anything beyond continuing as is. You renew, you get an extra 12 months. Um, And if you haven't committed to renewing the legacy competencies, October 3rd is is the uh, time when you can start attaining or reaching the new solutions partner designations. So after September twenty. If you did not renew by that time, then you have to wait for a couple of weeks. And early October, you can start renewing your partner competencies with the new model. But then obviously, you you have to work through the summer this year to actually reach those goals. And at the same time, in early October, the Microsoft Partner Network will be renamed to Microsoft Cloud Partner Programme. And I think key here is cloud. This has nothing to do with the old stuff. It's just the Microsoft clouds with a hybrid aspect, of course. But more or less, this is just the cloud thing from now on.
1: All right. Well, I like this. And it's also good that they announced the, the renaming now ahead of time because a lot of marketing uh, goes into this uh, with a lot of companies where they uh, talk about their Microsoft partner network, where they talk about their... Um, credentials and their certifications and and competencies and things like that. So this is actually good that this is announced already. It will be rebranded. So companies will have a chance to prepare if they now have some marketing material around this, sales material around it, maybe logos on the website, stuff like that. Then there's actually a good chance to uh, prepare and get that done before the actual, uh, before this actually goes live. So I really like that. This, this is very insightful there's a lot of things I've learned here, which will be a good takeaway for me uh, to bring back with my team as well. Or, well, I can just have them tune into the show and I don't have to repeat it to them. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but this is actually very good insights. And I do believe that there's a lot of organizations in the same position that, that we're in, where you are kind of struggling to meet the requirements uh, sometime. And then the next year, it's super simple. The next year, again, maybe someone left a company who hold, held a few of the Uh, certifications that you were requiring and then you have to kind of fight for that again Uh, so the the more ahead of time we can be the better and with all these changes happening um, yeah this is this is super insightful and i would urge anyone tuning in now to at least take a look at these new dashboards because that clarifies so many things and all the things you mentioned now with performance and skilling and customer success and everything that's on the dashboard. And it will say, you have zero out of 10 points and here, here's how you can get them. Uh, you have zero out of 20 points on this or you have 40 out of 40 or whatever it is. Uh, and then you can clearly see where you have room for improvement and where you need to start. And I really like that. Um, so definitely a lot better UI and UX on this. They did put some time and effort into making sure that it's more understandable. And while the um, achieving this might be a bit tougher uh, in one sense, understanding it is a lot easier when you just look at the dashboard, at least. So it's to me, it's super clear what I need to do. I take a look at this and I understand, okay, I need to get three customers and here's what that means. And then, yeah, you can drill down into everything and, and understand it. I really like that.
0: I like the new dashboard as well. It's It's also much faster. And I think because I'm not in the U.S., A lot of the time, certain Microsoft services and portals, they're really, really slow coming from Europe because you you sort of feel that the service is hosted in Redmond and coming from across the globe, it just takes time. Uh, I was looking at at my own dashboard uh, throughout all of the designations and for data and AI and digital and app innovation, those are both both, uh, designated for Azure Partners we have the best scores for those two for now without really doing much yet. And what's been surprising to me is that customer success has been the easiest one because you typically work with the customer every day or every week. To so having those deployments and having the usage growth, that happens naturally. Skilling, that requires some effort and sweat, But more or less, that's business as usual. And I feel the performance, as I mentioned before, the net customer ads, that's the most challenging one, especially for a smaller company like ours. Um, In the show notes, uh, there's a couple of additional links. And I will also put the direct links to all of the designations if you want to look at the specific updates. So it's a challenging change, but I also feel that change is good. And we had the old model for so long that I, I feel this, this is a new one. But I'm also sort of anticipating that perhaps during the course of summer and the new fiscal year for Microsoft, perhaps things will be modified slightly or some additional detail will be provided or things will somehow evolve based on, on the vocal feedback that often Microsoft partners are giving back to Microsoft. So that remains to be seen, but take a look at the designations and start planning before you hit the summer, summer holiday season. Start planning, how are you planning to approach this change? The last thing, the unexpected question. Toby, it is going to be my turn to ask you, are you ready? Shoot. You are given a pen and a paper. You have two minutes to draw anything. What would and what can you draw?
1: Okay, interesting question. Two minutes is fairly limited time, so I would probably sketch. I would not uh, like draw a full, full kind of picture or painting uh, in the sense. I would probably sketch something, and um, we have something at home that I usually do with my daughter, with my older daughter, four years old. Um, because it was recently Easter, one thing which is a tradition in Sweden is that you hide an Easter egg. With uh, candy, or in our case, we put some fruit and put some toys in it and stuff like that because we don't really eat candy. And so I hide that in the garden somewhere. And then I put post it notes with small clues. So maybe 10 different post it notes. And on the first one, maybe there's uh, a milk package. And then she takes a look at this and thinks a bit milk. What do I mean, milk? How do I find an Easter egg with milk? And then, ah, maybe I need to go to the fridge. And she goes to the fridge and finds. On one of the milk, milk boxes, there's a new post-it uh, with perhaps a bike. And then she thinks, oh, we do have one bike indoor in dad's office because I have my road bike here. We have five bikes in the garden. Hmm, maybe there's a clue in one of those places. And then you can see the four-year-old just uh, lighting up and, and really trying to find the Easter egg because she, she knows she's going to get a present inside of the egg and it's, it's fun to do the chase. So I think with the two-minute limitations, I would try to draw as many clues as I can on 10 post-its because it doesn't really require much effort um, with the limited two minutes. So I would do that. Um, As for the second half of the question, what can you draw? Uh, When I went to school um, in Sweden, we had something called Mbg, which is like very well-achieved. You're like an A+. In in that that's what I had in in picture painting drawings um, and arts stuff like that. So I did draw a lot before in in a previous life, as it feels now. So I can draw a lot, but it would take more than two minutes to draw something significant. I can draw, for example, Donald Duck in ten seconds, but <laughs> it wouldn't do me any good to do that because what would I do with that? So my final answer to the question: You have two minutes to draw anything. I would draw as many clues as possible uh, for my daughter to find an Easter egg or a present around the house or the garden, because it's something tangible, it's something fun, uh, someone can benefit from it, and we'll have a great time together, and I only spend two minutes.
0: That's a great idea. I, I, I might be stealing this idea for later tonight for the, for the four-year-old. Maybe, maybe some, some tips and hints and perhaps he'll find his iPad eventually through those 10 tips.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You should do that every day with (laughs) new... Oh, you want to watch Peppa Pig? Well, here's the first clue. (laughs) Exactly. All righty.
0: Thank you for joining. This was episode 132 on the Microsoft Partner Program updates. Um, We hope you join us next week as well.
1: Bye-bye. All right. See you then.